Welcome back to Arts About. Show about art that's a work of art in itself. Sally. It's good to be back. Yes, there you are, sitting there. Yeah. Lovely to see you, Sally. Oh, it's great and to be to it's great to be back with you lot. I must say I'm glad that you're back, Sally. Are you? These chaps, they were very unmanageable. I can imagine the unruliness. I mean, it's like can't get them on, can't get them off. Mm. Had to get them rolling, but then I couldn't stop them. It was very hard to shut down the show. Welcome to my world. <laughs> You're listening to Arts About on PFM, which is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're here in the studios with us, Sally Bailey, John Baird, Cultural Sounding Board and Artist in Residence. Mm. Uh, and the Mark, art ambassador from Europe. Oh, the art ambassador for Europe, Mark Stewart. And, of course, you, Swanee. Yeah. Uh, what have we got on the program today? Well, we'd just like to know very quickly at yeah. the top of the show, how was uh, Lombardy? I have had an amazing adventure. For any mm-hmm. of you that don't know, I have been, I've just spent a month in on Lake Como, which was incredibly beautiful. Uh, but on the way there, I visited the Louvre in Abu Dhabi, which was Really something Mark wants me to swear, because I, I did before, but I better not. Does this mean... I Bre- say it was absolutely incredible. So, Brendan, you'll be getting this back on expenses because it's related to the show. Uh, well, I don't know whether I'm going to get the um, the stay at the Emirates Palace Hotel uh, in Abu Dhabi on expenses, but I am hoping that the yeah. month in Italy, in the apartment where I visited all the local museums, um, I'm hoping that that one will come under expenses. What yes. about the door fee to the Louvre? They might be able to cover that for yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Definitely, I've got that in my little petty cash box right. at the moment to <laughs> hand over to Brendan when I go out later on. Now, just a question, Sally. Yes. The, the Louvre, which was built by Jean Nouvel, the yes, French it architect, yes. it, it's apparently a very brilliant building. It, it, is it the one that has all the filtered light coming through the ceiling? Is that yes, yes. yes. Okay. It's a huge dome. It's a huge metallic dome, multi-layered dome, that is sort of a, a mesh of Islamic patterns. Mm. And it, it really, when I first saw it, it actually reminded me of Jean Nouvel's earlier building, and I didn't realise it was the same architect, which is the Centre for Arab Studies, I in, think, on the Seine uh, in Paris, yes. with, that has a whole wall that is a series of apertures that open yes. and close, like camera with, apertures. Yes, with the sun. Yes, it's, it, that is just an incredible building. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot to talk about. I, I, I will be able to make, milk you for weeks about this I grand you. tour. Are you, but can you just, trying to move me on? Can yeah. you just let us know what's on the show, and then we'll get cracking? Well... We better find out. John, what do you want about this week? Uh, I visited the NGV headquarters mm-hmm. and uh, had a look at the White Rabbit uh, exhibition there. Oh. Sure. And I'm going to talk about that a bit. Mark's seen it as well, so I'm sure he Didn't can... Didn't talk about it last week? No. I mean, no. you mentioned it. Okay. That's we didn't not really talk about, about it. All right. Okay, yeah. good. Mm. Yeah, great. And uh, what about you, Mark? I believe you have a new name for your segment. Apparently, yes. Yes. What's yes. it called, Swanee? Well, we got in a voice artist and a director, and we've done a little sting. It's called What the It Got to Do with Art. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, today I do have a subject which is about art. It's about Monet and one painting in particular. Oh, Kel which, uh, hopefully, Surprise. Hopefully, it won't bore you to tears, Swanee, but we'll see. <laughs> Anything oh, bores Pardon me, that does. We did have a call about the collective noun story. Yes, somebody yes. was. 
they nearly switched off. So can you know we don't want any more after dinner conversation from the eighties. What is a what's the collective noun for complainants? Yeah, it's a moan of whinges. Yeah, that's very very good. Well, also on the show today, I'm going to bring back a little bit of outside influence. Yes, I know you guys have just been talking amongst yourselves, but I'm going to be talking to somebody else today. Friend of the show, curator and creative director Virginia Dowser. She's going to be talking to us today about a discussion that she's going to be having at McClellan Galleries, who clearly are going to start bringing in some interesting folk for us to listen to. Mm-hmm. The, ex- uh, the, the discussion is called Reinventing the Idea of Sculpture, and she, along with Wona Bay and Charlie Lawler from Loose Leaf Studios, are going to be talking about the intersection of art, fashion and craft and the changing dialogue around the role of 3D contemporary creative practice, Mark. And I will not be here, which is such a shame, because I, that that, a that's pity, really yeah. going to stir my mettle. Yes, okay. Well, you'll have to listen to it later. Yes. Yes, yeah, stir your mettle. Who, who is, what is the Loose Leaf Studio? Who, um, who, uh, hello, um, we're just, we're giving a top of the show sort of overview. We'll be talking about this in quite a lot of detail. Where is it, the Loose Leaf uh, Studios? Loose Leaf Studios, well, I'm not exactly sure. They're in Australia somewhere. They, uh, they do the most extraordinary architectural sculptures using botanical things. Think, um, Andy Goldsworthy, but botanical, a bit okay. more, you know, right. floral. Photos. Perhaps. Floral and. No, no, Andy. no, 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 3D, like, Physical things. They don't okay. take photos of them. Okay. I mean, people well, take photographs of them. I mean, the problem with Andy Goldberg is that the thing itself is very ephemeral, so it uh, disappears, and the yes. only thing you're and left so with do, are the photos. And so do their artwork. Oh, okay. no, not always with Andy Goldsworthy. That's not true. Like what? Like some stones, some of the stones. A lot yeah. of the stone stuff. He did masses of stone yeah, stuff. He and Richard Long, they're yeah. stone together. There we go. Call okay. short, Richard Long used to call short dick. So, <coughs> he had to oh, get it in. Controversy. <laughs> yes. The phones will be ringing hot, Brendan, I warn you. <laughs> okay, so yes. before we get Virginia, or while we get Virginia yes. on the phone, uh, here's Patty Smith with Dancing Barefoot. Our next guest on Arts About Today, Virginia Dowser, is an unconventional curator. She's interested in the intersection of all things and doesn't believe in the limitations created by definitions used to pigeonhole artists. She's about to participate in a conversation with Loose Leaf directors Wona Bay and Charlie Lawler at the McClellan Gallery to discuss the idea of the changing face of sculpture or the changing dialogue around the role of 3D contemporary creative practice. Good morning, Virginia. Wonderful to have you back on the show. Good morning. How are you all? Very well, thank you. Virginia, last time we talked on Arts About You, you were taking 40 Victorian creatives to Hong Kong to participate in an event called uh, We Are Luxury that you you created. Um, that was part of the Melbourne Fashion Showcase in Hong Kong. Um, I know you're interested in the idea of fashion as art, but I think you're taking this idea even a little bit further in this discussion coming up at McClelland. What do you mean by reinventing the idea of sculpture? Um, Look, it is a really interesting area and I think, you know, it stems from the fact that the future is creative. Um, It's no longer kind of like a fiscal um, environment that people are being encouraged to kind of go into. I mean, people um, realise that actually if you're a creative person, you will always have a job, for example, whereas... um, a lot of other jobs will probably be taken over by robots. So this is something that it is really a new thing for globally people to think about how how do we become a more creative world globally. And I think that the cross-colonisation is integral for any movement. It's integral for any movement forward. Um, 
So you just never know how things relate to each other until it's, until it's done usually. But I do think that I am taking it um, to a new level because of the excitement and the joy at, that people have when they see things that come together in that harmonious environment. And I think, you know, Mona does this very well. It's a very refreshing um, place to go to. And I think that, you know, history is engulfed in rules and regulations. You know, when you unpack that as to why, for example, fashion should not be mixed with art and craft, well, the only reason for that is that history has kind of dictated that. And I think that once you start looking at that and you start breaking it down, you really get excited by the possibilities of what could what, what could be? Mm. Um, how did the this whole idea evolve into something like this, a conversation at McClelland? How did, how did that happen? That was pretty exciting because um, a, a beautiful um, a sculptor and um, jewellery designer and multimedia artist, Lisa Rowett. Who is also um, a friend of the show, I have to tell you, and we've had Lisa in here on several occasions. She's great. Isn't she she? She's, uh, is. she's terrific. So she's on the board of McMillan and uh, Sculpture Park. And she actually was one of the artists represented at Business of Design Week in Hong Kong. Um, my reason for being able to get her into the show, which was fashion related, was because she makes jewellery. Um, but first and foremost, she's a sculptor. Uh, but when I was designing the show, it was really important to me to have a series of things that were different scales. And I think that that's an interesting thing for people's eye when they come and when they come and look at things. If they have so many kinds, if it's a total jewelry show, for example, um, you're constantly looking at quite small, usually quite small pieces. And even though it's, it's incredible in its own right. I really wanted to show different techniques um, or jewellery techniques in different forms, rather. And Lisa came over to Hong Kong and she was quite... Um, I think sometimes it takes somebody else to look at you and explain to you what you're doing differently to other people because, of course, you don't know why or how or if you're doing things differently. But she was quite adamant that the way that I thought about fashion, art and craft and how it interlinked in my mind was quite different to how a lot of people do think. And that was surprising to me because, of course, I've always thought this. And so she was quite interested in getting me down to speak about this and particularly with um, artists in their own right, uh, Loose Leaf, Wona Bay and Charlie Lawler, they are incredible. Um, they have studied art. Um, they're intellectuals, they are florists, but they're botanical artists. And, you know, they've been doing some sculptures in, um, botanical sculptures in um, the various buildings. I mean, these sculptures will last as any other sculpture does for hundreds of years. And, um, I mean, that's very exciting to see that beauty and that environment within a... a um, a kind of a concrete space, if you like a man-made space. So this, the, the thing that you're doing um, at McClellan, which is on Thursday the 30th of May, uh, it's, a, it's a conversation between you three, is that correct? 
it's a conversation between us. Uh, um, Lisa Rowett is chairing it, mm-hmm. um, so she'll be there in full flight as well. And um, it is really about how we think about sculpture and how we predict and into the future how sculpture will be seen or how it will be shown. And it's almost like a little bit of a think tank conversation because, you know, obviously traditionally um, sculpture is thought about in in particular ways and um, I think we're just opening that up and, and, and inspiring people really to maybe think about it differently. Uh, sorry, um, uh, Mark here. Yes, hi, Virginia. Have you have you seen the White Rabbit show at the NGV uh, upstairs on the third floor? You know what? I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people that have seen it. I'm a super keen um, 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 visitor Fan to White Rabbit. Yes, yes, it's a very good gallery. Oh, it's incredible. And it's a very good um, collection. And the show is magnificent. It has some 3D sculptures in there, which are uh, uh, quite beautiful. But there's no fashion. Yes, I must uh, say. Yeah. But, but interestingly enough, you see, fashion is such a particularly um, refined... Um, well, well you know... you know. Sorry to interrupt. You know that it's a... Um, for most museums, it's a question of the visitations, and it brings in another demographic, which is, as you probably know, mostly women who come to see fashion because they want people, as you probably know, they're opening up galleries to, to everybody in a more demographic way, and fashion is part of it. But whether it's actually part of sculpture is a questionable thing. I, I think I you did. better come along to this conversation because I think that's exactly... Well, I won't exactly go on a plane to London, unfortunately. Um, because, for example, I mean, I am... You know, the conversation is really more about um, how people who practice in fashion design can easily cross over into art and into craft and bring all of their expertise to to different things. Um, I also, so that's kind of where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to note um, what you say because there's been artworks that have never um, really flown that that are compromised because of the um, ensembles or the type of shoes or the something that isn't quite right with what the person is wearing and this is a really interesting um, area which is a whole other area to get into but Fashion is incredibly complex and layered. And if you are to have uh, or work in photographic art or, or sculpture indeed and there is something that just is not right about what the person is wearing, um, then that can really go against the, 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 the work. Well, I think it's a fantastic um, idea to be discussing this thing. Um, art and all its uh, genres is changing really significantly along in parallel with society and technology and uh, ways of seeing them with generations. So this talk, um, Reinventing the Idea of Sculpture, is on at McClelland uh, Sculpture Park and Gallery on Thursday the 30th of May at 12.30. My guess is that people can get tickets for it's during the day yeah 12 30 
my guess is that people can get tickets for this by going onto McClellan's website. I will, of course, yes. put links on our Facebook page. I'm really looking forward to hearing it, Virginia. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. That is my pleasure, my pleasure. Wonderful to talk to you. We'll see you very soon, I hope. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Virginia. Bye. Bye-bye. This is the ghost of Pablo Picasso. The time is for the quiz. You heard the man, Sally. I know. See, I haven't heard this quiz, Swanee, so I'm I'm quite excited about it because it does sound like lots of fun, and I have. Did your ears things. pick up when you heard Pablo Picasso on air? Like when I heard Swanee's ridiculous accent, <laughs> it picked up. So just See, tell yes. me, come well, on, well, what, what goes on when you were away? Yes. We took certain liberties, and one of them was just to, you know, turn this show into pretty much anecdote about. But I thought if we could find some goofy old quiz, which had pretty ordinary questions and answers, yeah. I would be able to unravel these chaps, their, their, their amazing and very profound knowledge of art. And it turned out to be quite a... You know, we've had some favourable comments from listeners. People have actually been writing in, have they? No, no, nobody writes in this. Oh, well, what do you call it? Email. Oh, email. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's not sure. Brendan, Brendan just said it's a, it's a hit. Oh, that's good. So, Are we going to give it a go then? Yes. Do I get to be part of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we. Okay. Let's take it away. Yeah. So is this Australian art or international art? Uh, this is a surprise, Mark. Okay. I've got no idea. But th th this is the general quiz. It's not oh, just well, away, art away. movements, et al. Let's have a look. Play. It, while we're waiting, yeah. have you heard about the uh, Ballarat Biennale? That what's happened there? No, they, they what's lost seven hundred thousand dollars. No, apparently a lot of artists were not paid. That the whole thing. Excuse me. Mess. <gasps> Excuse me. The last one, you mean? The last one. Oh. Lived between the... Ting, 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 ting. Which painter lived between these years? Oh. 1780 to 1867. How are you supposed to know that? that well, there'd uh, be many of no, them. I'm giving you a choice. Oh, yes. Okay. Stand by. A, B, C, or D. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's Peter Bruegel, the elder, is yeah. Jean-Auguste Dominique Ingres. 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 <laughs> it's Gustav Klimt. Uh, there's that fantastic line, sorry, in um, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. And he's a very rich man, but his wife's a sort of terrible woman. She has affairs and he's all disenchanted. And there's this guy in their kitchen going, oh, I had, looking at a big picture on a wishes, oh, I adore your wife's Klimt, Mr. Mellon. He <laughs> says, yeah, you and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Gustav Klimt or Egon, Egon Schiel. Yeah. Uh, there, there's only one, yes. and it was uh, Ang. Yeah, indeed. The second one, is that the second really? one? Really? The one that was really hard to pronounce? Yeah, that yeah. one. And and that, that's the one I because would have he, said. Because he uh, survived the revolution. He, he, was, you know, he was always on the right side of history. And well, in, in terms just like of, you. <laughs> in terms of pa the passage of the profound thread, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ang and Ang. Uh, Ang. Ang. How is it spelled? You have to put your mouth into the shape. I-N-G-R-E-S. You have to put oh, your... Oh, Anger. Uh, and Jericho and um, Delacroix <coughs> make mm -hmm. up the three major painters in a passage of that thread, you know, because they all only just preceded each other and they all learnt a lot as the stream ran on, you know, ending with Delacroix. Yeah. Ang was a, an extraordinary draftsman. 
and what, paints it. And what sort of paintings are we talking he, about? Well, revolutionary uh, about Greek history mostly. The Rape of the Sabines, that yeah. was one of his, it was just brilliant. Uh, Later in the Swan? The, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, that's a pity. The Rape of the Sabines was quite famous because it's got the, the, you know, the three men of their swords. In the oh, place. I've seen that one. You would have seen it. He was then, rather fond of the draped, semi-nude woman, but who is very, it? very good at it. <laughs> who isn't? Oh. <laughs> Did you say that, Swan? Yeah, yeah, well, oh, honestly. Um, now, you mentioned he was a great draftsman. Now, can I just drop something in? Please. Because while I was away, I went to um, the Pinacoteca of Ambrosia in Milan, which is a a combination of a a bibliotheque and a museum. And in there they have the Antique Codex, which is a collection of about 1,800 of Leonardo's actual drawings, Mm. and they're on display. Mm. Extraordinary Mm. things. with Mm. The red ink ones? uh, Some of them. No, they're not. They're... No, I wouldn't have said they were red ink. It's, sometimes it's very hard to tell under those lights bec- yes, and with the colour of the paper and yeah. so on. Um, but the writing is in reverse. Yes. And they're war machines. Some of them are hydraulic machines. Some yeah. of them are arrow-firing machines. And there's there's things, there's devices for getting over moats. Yeah, because he worked with the Duke of... Um, I forget his name, but uh, as a... And they were constantly at war with each other, so they, co- they were constantly building... Um, New machines to you know, to destroy was, each other. It was Big absolutely business. incredible Big to business. see these things. He, because he was one of the Renaissance artists in the sense that he was he was purely. Um, Can you keep your mind on the job? I, I am. Please. I am. It's difficult with selling in front of me. The <laughs> the he he was an engineer as well as a sculptor and a painter, and he was the you know, the, the whole philosopher. He was the full package. Vegetarian. Yes. Homosexual. He was just a, an absolutely well, remarkable man, and um, the thing that the, the thing that was incredible because there is there is the huge bound or it's a replica um, copy of the the book that these all these drawings were bound into, and there is also. Um, uh, and, and his writing was in, it was Reverse, mirrored writing. Yeah, he wrote in the mirror. And what happened was Napoleon stole these uh, uh, at some point in his When he came in into Milano in 1520, right. And took them away. And very recently, in the last hundred years, they've been repatriated. But in the process of repatriation, when they were when these drawings were first found, they looked at them and they were sent to China because they thought the writing was Chinese, Chinese. characters. <laughs> and it took some scholar to say, that's not Chinese carriages that's Italian in reverse and Mm. then they've they've come back and they're they're displayed in this place so his technique worked because it was about it being it was a subterfuge wasn't it it was it was about people not being able to read it well was I was was it that or was it the idea that they were going to be printed I I assumed it was the idea that they were going to be printed what on the photocopier well, which would come out in reverse? I don't know. No, no, they weren't. The there was print- nothing about printing. Was it? Was it, he, was it not? It was subterfuge. He was, he was, was tricking. Really? Yeah, there were a lot of them doing that. They were tricking. My favourite Leonardo da Vinci is oh. the one they tried to sell in London, uh, and uh, nice drawing of a girl. And uh, someone stuck their hand up and said, "That's not Leonardo da Vinci. That's me. That's a drawing of Denise down at the supermarket." <laughs> And if you look on the back there, you'll see there's a shopping list on the back of it, you know, and sure enough. No. Yeah, there was a little shopping list on the back corner of the drawing. Yeah, there's no bigger dupe than the art patron. That's, that's true. Let's well, you think about that one they paid for, how much? How many millions for that? The Salamundi that they've sold last year? Right. Very dubious. 
Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, there were a few of his paintings in there. Anyway, we probably should go on no, to no, question number no, two, shall we? No, there's no mad rush. We're nearly over with the quiz. We've okay, almost run out of Let's time. Have another it's question. amazing, one isn't question. it? One more, question. Yeah, one more question. All right. I've already forsaken John Spencer for the quiz and this chat, which is fine. You're standing, but, well, who did you say it was? Ong? Ang. Ang. How do you say it? Ang. Ang. I'm, sound you don't I'm the pronunciation monitor, not you. Sorry, well, you're being I think he is. Oh. I think he is the authority oh. here on French. Okay. Sorry for Swan. Do you remember what I said about Correct. putting the shape into the, the chickens? No, mm. I won't say it. All right, now I've just. This is a pictorial one. Oh, it's a lovely sort of uh, impressionistic sort of one of a lovely lady sitting in a chair by a yes. seaside. Have you seen? Can you see that, John? Not really. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, no. I don't, steady. Well, well, no, that's not one of the choices. No, it isn't. You ready? Can't hardly see them. Yeah, so, so was I that, know who it is. Was this painting uh, Renoir? Was it Serrat? Is that how you say it, John? Serrat. Serrat. Uh, Degas or Corot? Jean-Baptiste Camille Corot. I'm going to say <laughs> Renoir. I reckon Corot, because I reckon he was a copyist. Uh, no, Corot was a brilliant, oh, okay. brilliant landscape painter. Very oh, difficult for the audience to understand. <laughs> yeah. what it's really not good for radio. <laughs> it's, no, the, normally it's not pictorial, but oh, okay. I've chosen right. the Ramden, ra, random quiz today. But okay, so I, can, I can barely see it across yeah. the room, but I would have thought if Mark mistook it for a Manet, it's probably a Renoir. It's a Renoir. It's a Renoir sure. copying Manet. Yeah, I reckon yeah. it's oh, Renoir. Oh, really? Copying yeah. Manet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. There we are. Correct. Tick. Amundo. All right. All right. As we move along, yes. let's have a little bit of this action. And now it's time for John. John. Oh, really? Over to you, John. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Just like that, from quiz to quirk. Well, let's launch immediately into the NGV and uh, the White Rabbit Show. Yeah. And there's something very interesting going on up there, which I'll get to. But first, let's talk about what's there first. Yeah. Uh, there's a room with a long image in it with, um, it's kind of a Noah's Ark of bestiality, you know. There's uh, a lot of little animals and people and they're all banging the wrong one. And it's quite an interesting sort of journey. They start out just meeting each other on either edge of this very long painting but towards the center there's a lot of action and there's a lot of stuff going on and it's all wrong and uh, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it uh, other than the fact that it's a it's a lovely journey to walk along it and have a look at it and uh, I mean you end up thinking about more than just the possible combinations of animals and people all of whom are having sex in, of one sort or another did you find that interesting, Mark? I found the, the the way it's painted in the old technique yeah. was quite interesting. And then I, I didn't see you immediately, but then you notice that the people are actually, there's a lot of bestiality going on. Yeah. Nothing obvious, but yeah. uh, you can see that there what is a What is it, a huge long painting? It's yeah. a long, yes. It's in the, when you walk in, up in the third floor, it's in the, ah. like, the glass section. It's a little side gallery. Where the um, uh, um, pre-Columbian pieces normally are. But it's a. It, 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 I've read some. I've forgotten now. I forget. It was some. It's based on some play or some poem, isn't? It? Is it not? Well, so? I didn't read the text. No. I didn't need to. I felt. No. This is part of the White Rabbit collection. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So uh, there's also these. There's a set of photographs there that are based on the imagery made during the uh, Mao years uh, of um, Chinese people. You know, which have a kind of a fading out background and. They're all wearing sort of uh, 
um, Chinese costuming, not traditional costumes, but communist no. costumes. Mm -hmm. And um, there's five of them, and but they're all images of uh, disabled Chinese school kids, and they're just amazing things to look at. Uh, there's also a beautiful little painting. Did you see that little painting of the uh, topless Chinese girl in a pair of glasses? Tiny little painting, and it's just there by itself. There's no frame. There's no, it's it. not in a box. It's not kind of made to be important in any way at all. It's just yeah. on the wall. And it is a thing of quite extraordinary power, really. A mm. Very beautiful. I've seen this man's paintings before, but nothing quite as good as this one. It's very small. Uh, there's a big white kind of painting in there, which a big long white painting which uh, uses traditional Chinese watercolor methods, but has a very very powerful uh, use also of uh, contemporary shapes and paint use. And uh, it's a landscape with uh, some blocks, some square blocks throughout it, which presumably represent buildings or human. In you know, interference in the landscape, and there's this massive black kind of spider-like shape coming over one of the hills, which is presumably the future, you know, that, that this gloomy sort of dangerous, and it's really very, very threatening, mm. and that's a remarkable thing. Uh, there's a room full of um, sculptures that are blocks designed to um, for art students to draw, and they're very large, but they're made out of paperback books that are all glued together oh. and then sanded back. So That's a good use for books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're blocks of knowledge, Swan. You know, there's information in there, and uh, you just can't. You just can't like, get at it. There's the shapes, you know, the pyramid, the cone, the um, circle, mm. and they're, they're large. They're room size. Yeah. Or, Human so, so this is a temporary exhibition that has been presumably curated by the woman who runs the gallery, uh, White, Ga White Rabbit in I don't know if it's curated by it's from that collection. It's apparently so, Tony Elwood yes. um, went went towards um, Bridget Nielsen, no sorry, uh, uh, um, Judith Nielsen, Nielsen. Uh, and asked asked if, if they, she'd be interested in doing an exhibition yes. at the NGV. So, so she so had no, no, and she, I think, I don't think it was Nielsen who created, I think it's one of the curators there. Yeah, there's two, there's a, right. um, two young people. Because of course, White Rabbit Gallery is run by Judith Nielsen and it is one of the, one of very few, uh, it may be one of only two or three in the country, privately run public museums. Yes. So, and, and I, what I have just read about her is that this collection, that the collection that she has in there is purely art that she has responded to and she has bought. Yes, she, she it's, was, it's contemporary Chinese art that she likes. Yes, she went yes. there in the 80s, started going very early yeah. and made this collection, which is um, very good. And the show has been very well created. It's a really a, a, a worthwhile show to see. Did I hear the John on sting? Or <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, John. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. I've only got one question, John. What's this got to do with Kelly the dog? Well, Kelly doesn't um, appear here, yes. but um, the point of this, and uh, I think that it's, it's a very important one, which yeah. is that uh, the whole show gives off one big message, which is that uh, the Chinese are able, it would seem, to take on a kind of Western contemporary art ethos and they do it really, really well. They're very good at it. Mm -hmm. And part of the fact that, part of the reason they're good at it is, but it's not just something put into a gallery and put into the corner of the room 
and uh, not really sort of manifested in any sort of technical way. They're beautifully made things. All of them are really, really quite extraordinarily beautifully made. And so it, you get not only the impact of contemporary art, but you get the spectacle of skill as well, right. you know, because they're all yeah. very skillfully made. So well, sorry. When you say um, the Chinese have entered into the, this um, very well into the Western ethos of art, mm. uh, so it's none of it is the kind of art that one would, would expect to be right. coming out of an Eastern tradition of art. Yeah, okay. Mm, right. That's a very General, great generalisation, John. I yes, mean, I'm, apparently, well, I'm very good at those. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> the the Chinese were heavily influenced by a Rauschenberg show that came to um, Beijing in 1980. Yeah. And that they they they'd seen a little bit of contemporary art before that, but not a lot. And then they yeah. saw the Rauschenberg show, and they were able to. They sort of, my God, the, the but haven't they embraced it? Yeah. They've embraced, but because they've had five thousand years of cultural. You, you, before they were like the Japanese, learning how to draw and how to. Well, that's where the skill bit comes. This in. is the skill bit exactly, mm. and the, and then and then. But then, you know, what's going to come next is the whole of Asia is going right. to be you know, producing their art, which they all have this culture behind them that we didn't really have in a in such an extended way that they do. So it's going to be fascinating to see what comes out in the next after they stop copying the West, what they're going to make for themselves. Let's not forget in that mm. show the giant long uh, tunnel-like object of paper made out of paper and string that's hanging from the ceiling. Yes. That, uh, presumably a birth canal, that's the feeling I got as oh. I wandered through it. Having I, seen one or two. I turned back halfway. <laughs> How claustrophobic. <laughs> yes, indeed. Will we listen to a nice song now, Sally? I think so, Swanee. Thank you, we, John. Why don't well, we, we listen to... Oh, have we got time for a song? Yes, yeah, side by side. Oh, Let's side break by things side. up a little. The New English Beat. Beautiful. So I think it's time for Mark now. Well, excuse me, Sally. What? We've got a bit of a special treat we, we also created uh, last week. Oh. If I can do is there swearing in it? If I can do magic fingers. Just uh, what are you talking about today, Mark? I'm going to talk about um, um, Monet and uh, one painting that he did in uh, Normandy. Yes, but one second. I've just got to ask you one question. It's time for Mark Stewart with what the f has that got to do with art? <laughs> yeah, Mark, carry on. Well, uh, just quite to, a lot, as it turns out. Yes, yeah. quite a lot this time. Just <laughs> I, to I, I destroy like all your assumptions I based like on the your, your data. Style of that. I might continue with yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's good, even if it has got something to do so, with art. So, very early one morning in the harbour of Le Havre, which is on yes, the French coast. Love. Uh, near the mouth of the Seine. Oh, I sailed there once from mm. Dover. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely, uh, coming up the river is just beautiful. Monet set up his easel at the window of his hotel overlooking the port. Mm -hmm. Imagine trying to paint in a hotel now, John. Oh, uh, yeah, I've tried that. Okay. Yeah. How about the smell? They didn't complain? No? I see you're using acrylic anyway. It doesn't There's smell. There's a restaurant in Richmond called Love. Uh, good. After that place. A, a year earlier, Monet had fled with his family to England to escape the Franco-Prussian War which brought many Germans to these shores, including my great-grandfather, Paul Schubert, um, and had encountered, as he was, when he was in London, the paintings of Turner in the Tate and his atmospheric compositions of light, water and mist, which brought me to the question, John, who influenced Turner? And I looked it up. Richard Wilson, have you ever heard of him? Oh, yes, I or know. Or Cozens. That. Yeah. Very, and I looked at their paintings, beautiful landscapes, yeah. quite romantic, really, really lovely. Anyway, man, while there in London, Manny tried out similar effects, observing how fog and smoke changed the ambient light over the river. 
both beautiful in, paintings. Beautiful paintings, magnificent. Mm. Both in his hotel room, back in his hotel room, he painted the broad expanse of water, the ship, masts, and cranes along the horizon line. Getting the picture, John? Yeah. With the rising sun adding its aura to the misty, misty grey. When he had submitted the painting to ex for exhibition, he was asked to give it a title. Call it Impression, he said, and the rest is history. Right. The painting belongs to the Musée Marmoton, which was around the corner from Chermois. Do you remember going to the Musée Marmoton? Did they really. take you there? It was in the yeah. Jardin d'Aran Lake. I might have been drunk. You were probably playing football with my kids, maybe. Didn't get there. It's a lovely little private um, museum, which has a big collection of Monet, his flowers and what they called those things floating on the water um, lilies lilies <clears throat> the painting itself is a very small watery thing was virtually unknown for the first 80 years or so of its life because it was in private hands right. and there were no prints or um, is this the painting called impressions this is the painting called impression yeah. but details of when and where Monet painted it were vague, and was it a soleil levant, as in a sunrise, or was it a soleil couchant, sunset? Right. And until the 50s, it was known as a soleil couchant, which is soleil couchant, sunset. Right. But they said, mm, something's wrong here. So they did a bit of detective work. <clears throat> and they went to Le Havre, which was, had the, um, was bombed to kingdom come by the Allies at the end of the war. So the hotel no longer existed. They couldn't find it. But they found where it used to be. Mm -hmm. And they realized it was on the east side of the port, uh, west side of the port, looking to the east. So they realized it was a, um, a soleil levant. So it's a sunrise. Now, people... So had they measured shadows or something? They, or they, uh, what they did was... Oh, the sun comes up in the east, of course. Yeah, down the west. sun comes up in the east, but then they had to figure out <laughs> when Sometimes. it was painted. Because um, the picture's date was uncertain. Monet signed at 72, but uh, Daniel Wildenstein, you know the Wildenstein woman who had all the... Yes. Lift? Yeah, yes. That was, she's one of the... One she's of the, one of those Wildensteins. She's one of the Wildensteins. They, they got their money she's from She's more Monet. like a wildebeest now. She is. Yeah, the, uh, he said that the painting, the catalogue resume was uh, was printed in 1873. The painted in 1873, but an expert saw that the lock gate, which you can just be discerned in the middle of the painting, is open, meaning that it must have been high tide. So they checked the tide charts, they checked the weather charts, then they got an F astrophysicist from Texas State University Fabulous. to analyze the sun's passage in the morning sky as Monet depicted it and they came up with the date of November the 13th 1872 around 7.30. That does not take into account that uh, all artists I'm sure on plein air or all artists painting are, are cobbling together because surely no, the painting do. takes this, the length of time As the painting paint. was called, it was called an impression. And when you see the painting, because it is coming out to Australia, so yeah. I'm talking about it, yeah. you'll see that it was it's done in a in a jiffy. It's done very quickly. Right. It's very light. It's in, okay. in, in a thrice. Even quicker than John. So you don't think he can, he, <laughs> he could have possibly cobbled together a few images? In no, that's definitely not. Eyes. No, it's painted on the spot. Yeah. This is this was the idea of plein air. Yeah. A lot of the paintings were painted on the spot. You didn't touch them afterwards. Yeah. Okay. And the, many artists will still work like that. One, you know, it's a one yeah. shot painting. Right. So, when I entered the picture in the first exhibition of the Anonymous Society of Painters, Sculptors and Engravers in Paris in 1874, the critic Louis Lewa reviewed the show and didn't like the painting. Louis Lewa? said its vague title and what it decided was Manet's facile handling of paint. 
wallpaper in its embryonic state. I thought you'd like this one, John. Mm. Is more finished than this seascape. <laughs> I do like using wallpaper, a wallpaper he myself. He does. Uh, yet the impression. But I bet Louis sort of uh, ashamed famous. of his own words. He's famous for it. But the 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 impression sunrise gave him a catchy catchy journalistic idea, and his critique appeared in La Chiviari, made the headline. The l'exposition des impressionnistes, right. and so he was the one who called them the impressionists after this painting. Right. And all of them, Monet, Degas, all hated it. They didn't like the idea of being a, called um, something called impressionists. Mm. Now this painting is coming to the National Gallery in Canberra from June the seventh until September the first, with others such as the Gare Saint Lazare, which is a brilliant painting of all the steam mm. and the big. Mm -hmm. um, but the painting itself was very much influenced by the pollution of the in, in, in industry coming from all the tugboats and all the chimneys and everything else, and they, they made great beauty. Same with Turner. Right, yeah, he liked a bit of sooty That's a tugboat. Yeah. <laughs> I like oh, to give an impression. Great. Yeah, very good. Yeah, thank you, Mark. So amongst yeah. all of that, Mark, I find um, the forensic kind of stuff really interesting. I'd love to be a kind of a, an art detective of some sort, figure out where we're painting. Well, John Baird, it, art detective. It, it's <laughs> interesting, John, because a lot of people say, well, look, isn't it a, what, 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 who interest, who's interested in this? It's like them saying, right. well, why rebuild the Notre Dame when you can give the money to all the, all the poor people? It's well, a, you know, I've been thinking about the Notre Dame in Paris, and if that was in Melbourne and it burnt down, they'd be putting the apartment building in Absolutely. there already. Yeah. yeah, and the developer probably set the torch. Mm. Hark! What's that noise? <laughs> I hear something. <laughs> oh, but that's what she says. Hark! We forgot about that. Uh, time for the news. We're trying to remember. <laughs> Reinventing the idea of sculpture is a fascinating conversation between unconventional curator Virginia Dowser and Loose Leaf Studios at McClellan Gallery, uh, Gallery and Sculpture Park on May the 30th. You can get tickets through Tri Booking. I'll also put a link on our Facebook page, and I'm sure if you go to the McClellan's website, you'll find oh. a way of buying tickets for that too. I love the name of that company because it's that old Jewish um, complaint, try booking, you know. It's, <laughs> very, it's very New York, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. can we get in try to see the show? Try yeah. booking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, also, I'm just going to barge in quickly here. Um, yes, would you barge in quickly, please? Because uh, Poets Corner are launching their first anthology book. It's called Gatherings by the Lighthouse, and it's published by Pickle Poetry. Um, this small group that... Mark writes poetry. I know he does. Mark's been with me along to Poets oh, Corner mm -hmm. before. It's the it's a group in McRae that meets quite regularly down there. They have a yep. Facebook page that we have, and, and in fact we have had Heather Mc, uh, uh, Forbes McKeon in here talking about it. They, they're publishing their very first book yes. um, and they're going from strength to strength and developing quite a dedicated following down there. Where can we buy the book? Uh, well, I think it's going to be at Farrell's. They're launching it this coming weekend. And, in fact, I think next week or the week after, I'm going to get one of the poets in to talk to us about it and we'll find out a little bit more. I'll put links on our Facebook mm. page. But, yes, it's uh, it's just being launched uh, this coming weekend. In fact, I'm going to be launching it. Mm. Yeah, mm. you know every tradesman's a poet on Friday, don't yes. you? Know? Yes, and well, if you buy that book yes. and um, find that you don't particularly like it, you could always glue it to some other books and make mm. some contemporary Make some art. sculpture. That's exactly <laughs> or, right, John. Or stand on it so you can be seen when you recite. <laughs> That's right. 
Very good. Uh, what, what's this one here at 45 downstairs from 12th, 23 of June? 12th to the 23rd of June. Mm-hmm. It's the Bloomsday in Melbourne group um, who are uh, a literary group that comes out of, I think it's Melbourne University, and they're very, very interested in and they're sort of following James Joyce's writings. Mm. Anyway, they're, they are producing a play that's going on at 45 downstairs. It's Tom Stoppard's Travesties. And I'm going to be talking with them over the next week or two. Because curiously enough, uh, when I lived and worked in London, I worked with a theatre company there. Um, we produced, uh, well, we restaged actually Tom Stoppard's play Travesties at the Savoy Hotel. Uh, and Tom Stoppard was Part there. of the production, yeah. Tom Stoppard, however, is not James Joyce. No, no. But, Tom, but his play Travesties. <laughs> his play Travesties is a combination. It's a it's a confluence. It's slightly obscure confluence of James Joyce, who produced a play in Zurich in 1917, oh. I think it was, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so it's a meeting of James Joyce, Vladimir Lenin, and Tristan Zara, who was the oh. for, no, mm. he was a wasn't he um, the original Dada's. Yeah. Yes. No, he stars. wasn't the original. No, but he was. He was, he was that was Picabia. Right. Okay. Mm. Okay. Francis. So, um, travesties is a story set yeah. in Zurich in 1917 that that combines these three. Mark's already. Picabias. He's opened up next week's controversy. He thinks Picabia yeah. didn't start the dance. No, I know very well Picabia. He was a very good friend of Marcel Duchamp. He was oh, no, a wealthy Pic- man. Picabia started yeah. the uh, surrealist. Didn't no. He? no, no way. Oh, he was a dadaist, but I'm not sure okay. he was a primary dadaist. No. I was, think Tristan Zara was a primary dadaist. He yeah, was he one, was. But yeah. Tristan Zara was a Swiss guy whose name, like, he was called John Smith or something. And he uh, made up his in name Swiss. Well, Zara. It's what sounds uh, John Smith was Patty Smith's husband. Okay, so that's going to be on at 45 downstairs in the middle of June. There's another play. It's coming to Frankston Art Centre, Le Mans Anglaise, and that is that is an incredible play about a really... Marguerite Duras, yes. Yes, it's Marguerite Duras, that's right. And it's, it's about, about a murder. It's, it's, it's about an awful murder. But what what I guess is probably even more awful is awful. the means of disposing the body and how, yeah. the, how, the, how the woman was found. And we it's a we story won't about, give it away, but... It's a terrific chop, chop, play. Chop, chop. How about it's, it's, third, it's its third season. It's been... It's its fourth season, actually. It was mm-hmm. at La Mama, then it was at 45 Downstairs twice, and now it's going on... It's on tour and it's coming to the Frankston Arts. Centre uh, on the 12th of June. Sounds, so we're going to talk to Gillian Murray, who's starring in that yeah, the, next week. The title of the play sounds like a dessert. It's The English Lover. I have a new art dealer. I have a uh, foyer yeah. show coming up yeah, sometime in July. I'm going to talk about it next week. Yes, James, at the James Macon Gallery in Cambridge Street, Collingwood, June 19th. Oh. Uh, I've forgotten what to say. What You've been say listening that? to Arts About. You've been listening to Arts About. Go on. Um, and, uh, but you, uh, you can hear the repeat on Wednesday the 12th if you've missed it. Arts About's available on air, streaming from the station website or the RPP phone app. We podcast the show on a Wooshka podcast address. We put links to everything on it. Beautiful. See you next Thank week. You.